Welcome to the In Your 20s podcast, where we figure out what the f- we're doing in our 20s. What's up, guys? It's your girl, Tina, with an H, and welcome back to another episode of In Your 20s. So before we get into today's episode and I tell you about today's guest, it wouldn't feel right unless I did acknowledge the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Who would have thought in the year 2022 that we would be in the midst of war? that countries would be fighting. I never thought that in this day and age, and in our big age, that that would be happening, but that's our reality. Now, in terms of what's going on, why it's happening, I have my thoughts and my opinions, but I'm going to keep them off the podcast just because I am not the most informed when it comes to this topic. And because of that, I don't want to spew my opinions onto you guys because Like this podcast is meant to be an educational one at the end of the day where you guys are able to learn and take away advice and tips from the people who hop onto this show with me. But since I'm not super informed on what's actually going on, instead, I want to point you guys in the direction of different people I've been following and other places that you can get information. So I like to get my news via Twitter. You have to sift through what's right, what's wrong, and you definitely should be fact-checking. But I have been keeping my eyes on the official Ukraine account. It's just at Ukraine on Twitter. I've also been keeping up with Bethany Frankel and her Be Strong campaign that is helping to send over resources to Poland for those who are able to escape and who are seeking refugee in Poland. I've also been following along with Ukrainian choreographer, and most of us probably know him from Dancing with the Stars, Maxim Shmerkovsky. It definitely messed up his last name, but he has also been sending updates and posting on his stories about Ukraine. And at the time of me recording this, because I do record these intros about a week out, he's attempting to leave Ukraine. So I've just been keeping up with where I can. And there are also a bunch of different resources. I've actually, I have an Insta story up on the In Your 20s account at In Your 20s, that's 20s with Y-S and I-E-S, where you guys can also just tap and see some of these accounts that are Ukrainian accounts that will definitely benefit from any donations that you're sending. So I just wanted to take that time really quickly to say that I stand with the Ukrainian people and that you guys are in my thoughts, you're in my prayers, and hopefully this can come to an end sooner rather than later. Now, to take a lighthearted turn. Today's episode is a really, really fucking funny one. Okay. I am sitting down with comedian Jasmine W, who is, we just, we hit it off as soon as she hopped on the show. She is so fun. She is a female black comedian who left her nine to five corporate job and is now just got off tour with Martin Lawrence at the end of 2021. She was doing stand-up. She, she was doing stand-up before the pandemic started, and then she switched over to TikTok for her comedy. And we are just talking about everything. We are talking about the Black experience while you're at work. We talk about one of my favorite series of hers, which is Karen's Behavioral Therapy. We discuss doing stand-up and what it meant to put herself out there. It's just a really great conversation. We even we even talk about the spicy whites in the world. So, And y'all know how I feel about spicy whites. So it's a good one. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And without further ado, let's get into it. 
What's up, guys? My name is Tina with an H, and welcome back to another episode of In Your 20s. Today, I'm joined by Jasmine W. If you're not following her on TikTok, y'all need to get on that app right now. Open it up as you're listening. Go search Jasmine W, and you will be sure to find her. Jasmine, how are you? Girl, I'm doing so good. How are you? <laughs> we love the energy. I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, Jasmine, to kick things off, what's a random fun fact that you've learned in your 20s? You know what? I think the number one thing I learned in my 20s is, I wish I had known this a little bit earlier in my 20s, but whatever it is that you want to do, you can do it. And you know, you learn that as a kid, like, you know, your parents tell you, you can be anything you want to be when you grow up. But the reality is, if you really believe that, you can be anything you want to be for the most part, right? President's pretty hard. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but for the most part, you really can be anything you want to be. You just have to really believe that, you know? I think I knew that a little bit, like around 24. And I, I had a lot of confidence in my abilities. But if I had really had the confidence that I had right now, I think I would be a lot further probably. Yeah. It's, fun- it's funny that you mentioned that because it's so true. When we grow up, we are like, I can do anything. And year after year, as we get older, it's kind of like society and just random pressures say, "Mm, maybe you should turn a different direction. Yeah. Where I even have a friend who wants to be an actress, but here she is going the bio route and doing PT or whatever, because she's like, I want to do this, but my parents want me to do this. Right. And being an actress at the beginning, especially, is very hard to make a stable income. Yeah. So I need something that's going to pay the bills, which is so upsetting to hear. And that's just one example because it's like, bro, why are we not allowed to have the abilities to just reach for our dreams and just go out there and do it? Yeah. Without any judgment. You know what? There's so many different factors, but I mean, like she's spending all this time doing like she she's in bio. So that's like what science or chemistry or medical. Yeah. Medical field. Okay. So she's in medical and that's going to take her what, like five or six years or something like that. And like, think about if she just put that time into what she actually wanted to do. You know what I mean? She'd be a lot further along, but you know, there's just so many factors that go into it. And most of it is just, you know, capitalistic society because we'll have no money. so her parents are trying to do what's best for her trying to make her stable you know but at the end of the day I see so many women especially go into the medical field and then they're so passionate about something else so they pursue that on the side or they end up stop being a doctor to you know do something to do something else that they really want to do and it's just like girl you could have been doing this the whole time and now you got a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt (laughs) (laughs) the debt especially It's like, oh, yeah, I really want to be stable and have a stable job. But yeah, I still have all this money that I have to pay off just to get where I am. Mm -hmm. It's a scam. Everything is a scam, ladies and gents. It is. I'll be telling people it's a scam for real, you know? Like, it really is. Like, if you think about it, and then once you finish school... You might even have the freedom to do whatever it is that you want to do, but that debt is over you. So you feel like you still can't because you have to pay that. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's a scam. And it's a never ending cycle. Honestly, anyone who doesn't have debt, bro, shout out. Honestly, no, not shout out to them because I'm jealous of them. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Me too. 
<laughs> I'd be getting those payments month after month. I'm like, what is this charging me? And it's like, oh, all right, my degree is charging me money now. Thanks for that. <laughs> but yeah. Jasmine, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I know that you got into comedy maybe about six-ish years ago. Mm-hmm. So what led you to leave your full-time job and take the comedic route? Yeah, so uh, basically, you know, after college, like right after college, my boyfriend at the time, and we're married now, so we moved to San Francisco. And then I was like, it's after college. So what do you do? You, you're like, oh, I need to get a job so that I can pay back my student loans, so I can pay bills or whatever, you know? So, you know, I went to school for broadcast communications and then I moved to San Francisco, got a job and I still wanted to do like on camera stuff. Like I wanted to pursue acting and, you know, do commercial work. So I got an agency and I would, you know, leave work at lunchtime and go on auditions and be gone for like two hours, you know. Uh, (laughs) And luckily when you work at startups and stuff, nobody's clocking how long you're gone, really, as long as you do a good job or whatever. So. Um, you know, I would do that. And then I was like, this is just too hectic. Like I'm going to auditions. I'm not really even looking like what I was like, what can I do at night? And so I started doing stand up comedy. And, you know, it was something I could do when I got off. I would go to work from, you know, like 830 or nine o'clock to like five or six or however long it took. And uh, I would go straight to like comedy clubs or open mics and start there. And, you know, after living in San Francisco for like five or five years or so, me and my husband were like, uh, we wanted to move to L.A. anyway. But I was like, yeah, you know, we're going to see if I'm really funny and let's move to L.A. because I want to be a comedian. <laughs> you know, you could think you funny if you in Ohio, honey, if you in San Francisco, you could think you funny, child. But you don't know if you're funny until you move to Los Angeles. Right. <laughs> uh, or yeah. New York. So I was like, you know, let's move. So we moved to L.A. And this was like exactly almost four years ago. And, you know, I was an HRBP. I kind of worked my way up through working in tech and stuff. And I was HRBP at a large entertainment company. And I just remember I was going to get a a promotion to senior uh, HRBP. And, you know, my husband's kind of like, well, yeah, if you get the promotion, you kind of chose what you want to do. But comedy is a hobby. You know, and I was like, damn. I was like, You really right. stuck it to you then. Yeah, you know. He's like, you know, um, and I had had friends. Like, I'll never forget one of my uh, comedian friends was like, you know, you can't really do this unless you do it full time. And I was like, no, I'm doing both. I'm doing both. But the reality is, is I couldn't do it unless I was doing it full time. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's, it is. It's a side thing unless you do it full time because you spend 50 hours a week working a corporate job, you know. So don't think you're going to do this if you if you just do it, you know, 10 hours out of the week. That's not going to work. So I was like, all right, um, I'm going to quit. And so I came up with a plan of all the things that I would do when I would quit. You know, I'm going to start a YouTube. I'm going to get on TikTok. Uh, TikTok was brand new. This was like two years ago, two and a half. Well, yeah, this was like two years and some months ago. And I was like, you know, I'm going to make how many ever videos I'm going to make a week on Instagram and stuff like that. And yeah, I quit. That's how I started doing comedy full time two and some months years ago. It was like August the 10th. I quit my job in 2019. And yeah. And then I just really started making TikTok videos that January. Like I started like the pandemic started happening in March. So it was like six months after I quit my job. And I started I started just making more TikTok videos a day and being like, OK, well, let me see if I can just grow on here. And that's kind of where it started. 
as we're telling your story, I couldn't help but think of that quote by Robert Frost, two roads diverge in a yellow wood, and I took the one less traveled by. I'm pretty sure that's the quote, because you were at this, you were at this (laughs) space, at this place that your husband had said, you know, if you go this route, this is it, you're sticking to the corporate world. Or if you go the other one, the road less traveled, you're going to have to put in the hours. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be where, you know, there's this ladder that you can climb through a company or corporation. You're going to have to put in the work. I feel a lot of people in their 20s are also dealing with that because with the pandemic and having quarantine, we were all able to have these little side projects and side projects, these hustles. And for the first time, I really felt like people were able to talk about what they love to do and what they wanted to do. Now that we're getting back to, I mean, let's not get it twisted, y'all. We're still in a pandemic. We are still very much in a panoramic. (laughs) But I'm starting to see people go back to what it was like before when they're not really talking about their passion projects. They're not going out there and doing what they love. How have you adapted to the, you know, pandemic world? So for tick once quarantine happened, wasn't really a thing. Yeah. So was it all, it was all just TikTok? Yeah. Well, TikTok was a thing. It was just, it is crazy that it's been that long too, but it was a thing, you know, it was just kind of new. And I just had heard because, you know, I'm interested in technology and stuff like that. And I'm always like open to adopting the new, like newest platform if I think it's cool. And when I got on there, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. You know, this is kind of interesting. Something else to keep you entertained other than like Instagram or whatever. And I heard that you could grow really quickly on there. So that's why, that's what attracted me to it. I was like, okay, you know, the early adopters are going to be the ones to grow grow easily. And, you know, it's going to be more difficult to grow as the platform gets older. So it wasn't brand new, but it definitely wasn't as popular as it is right now. You know what I mean? So that's, that's why I started using that platform. But I also created a YouTube. I was on Instagram, you know. You were doing them all. Yeah. You know, I was doing them all or whatever. But, you know, during the pandemic, yeah, I mean... Like one of my favorite, I never heard that uh, quote that you said, but um, well, I've heard it, but you know, I don't know who said it. Um, <laughs> I like, yeah, some, some white man said that. Um, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like one of my favorite quotes is stagnation is scarier than change. And I was talking about this on live the other day that I would rather look back after a year and feel like I've made a little bit of progress than look back and feel like I'm in the exact same place. And a lot of people were like, damn, that, that hurt because I look back and I'm in the same place. And the reality is, is, you know, at recognizing that you're in the same place is cool. But, you know, if you take a little bit of something, like if you do a little bit towards your goal every day, you know, you're not going to be in the same place after 365 days. So you, you might as well take a leap. You might as well take a little bit, a little bit, a little bite every day to get you to where you want to be, you know? Yeah. Oh, girl, I'm not going to lie to you. It hurt me, too. (laughs) That quote, it really stung. I'm over here looking at my life like, "Hmm, where have I seen change? Where have I not? Once you put it into perspective that way, it really does force people to look at their life. You can say, reflect, reflect. You can keep saying that word and you can keep telling people, yeah, I reflect on my life. But it's times like this when you hear a quote like that and you go, huh. How has my life changed? What am I doing to progress? What am I doing 
to achieve and reach these goals. So as yeah. you were posting and, across all of these platforms. Oh, and I was just going to say, you know, it doesn't even have to be about personal goals. You could look back and be in the same relationship that it ain't shit changed and be like, mm. or friendships that ain't working out for you and be like, mm. or family, you know, dynamic and look back and be like, damn, this ain't even changed. It's like, well, what you going to do? <laughs> what you going to do to provide that change? Yeah. I also want to bring up. So as you were posting on all these platforms, how are you keeping your creative juices flowing? Because I know some people, it's like, all right, the first couple videos that they're posting when they're creating something, like, yeah, I got all these ideas. <laughs> and then they come to a standstill where they're like, I've run out of yeah. all the ideas I thought I had. Yeah. Where do I go from there? You know what? I honestly do not know. <laughs> At one point, I stopped posting a little bit. Like, I don't post this. I used to post three videos a day, two or three videos a day. And girl, when I tell you, it is mentally draining because to be posting that many times with like different ideas and stuff like that, it's, it's a lot, you know? The only thing I will say is I think like sometimes, you know, you think of an idea and you want to hold on to it. It's like, oh, I'm going to hold on to it like a little gem, like a diamond. Yeah. And then you have to like remind yourself that ideas are not diamonds. Like they're not that rare. Like it's like a waterfall. So if you just put it out there, another one's going to come. Another one's going to come. That's why I don't worry about, you know, I do my ideas. And if you like them, whatever, I thought they were funny. And then I also don't worry about, you know, people copycatting my content or something. I'm like, baby, this is an idea, honey. It's, it's never ending. You know, creativity, there's no end to how my brain works. Yeah. So that's just kind of what keeps me motivated. Ooh, when you're talking about the gem, it's kind of like when, because I also post on TikTok. I'll have this idea. And I remember, oh, I had a Jack Harlow <laughs> TikTok that I, I've been saving. I have two. I posted one of them recently. Mm -hmm. This Jack Harlow one, y'all, anyone who's a Jack Harlow fan, don't, don't yell at me for what I'm about to say. But the TikTok <laughs> was basically me saying, y'all can get your hopes up as much as you want, but Jack Harlow is ending up with a person of color. He is going to marry a black woman. Like I was just saying it out loud. Didn't care about who. Cause I was like, mm, you got a you got a little swag to him, you know? <laughs> you know what? I think the opposite, Tina. I think that Jack Harlow loves the attention that he gets from black women and, you know, everything else. I don't think he's gonna end up with a black woman. He's gonna end up just like Justin Timberlake with a white <laughs> woman. Y'all gonna get y'all hopes up. Y'all gonna be like, oh yeah, Jack Harlow, he loves, he's saucy. He's spicy white. No, he ain't. He's regular <laughs> ass white. And he going to end up with a white woman, a blonde hair girl with green eyes or blue eyes, something like that. And y'all going to already be, you know, sitting in the corner with your mouth open like you didn't already know that. We knew that. Okay. Not you, not you saying he ain't no spicy white when I love that phrase. I'm like, Ooh, yeah, the spice is spicing today. No, he's mild, honey. He's mild, <laughs> just like the rest of them. The spicy whites don't even be, you know, spicy whites, the real ones don't even get popular. Hell, they somewhere with a long beard. That's how you know if somebody's spicy white for real. He got to have a long, thick beard and a lot of tattoos. That's the white man that really want a black woman. Jack Harlow ain't got that. He clean shaven. <laughs> he clean shaven. No tattoos <laughs> as far as I can see. So yeah. do you think that guy from, okay, don't watch the show, but the guy from Euphoria that's been on everyone's stories, that redhead? Oh, um, like the dude who sells drugs on Euphoria? Yeah, I think his name's Angus, or his character's name's Angus. Yeah, I haven't watched the new season, but I think I know who you're talking about. The only thing about him, though, I don't know. He's from Oakland. Oh, is, it, is that Spice? Is there, like, yeah, 
I won't. I don't know if he's spiced. You know, like I mean, the only thing is, like he's he probably super like super super comfortable around all types of people. You know, people of color in general, but especially black women. You know, so he could probably end up with anybody. You know, he'll probably end up with an Asian girl to be honest, because dudes from Oakland love Asian girls. That's why I don't. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know. But you you never know. But I, I mean, he's more comfortable around people of color. He could end up with anybody. I could see him ending up with a Hispanic girl, black girl, Asian girl, white girl, whatever. But Jack Harlow, he gonna do y'all just like Justin Timberlake did y'all. <laughs> God, gosh darn it! <laughs> Damn, I, I'm waiting on it. I can't wait. I can't wait for this podcast. This podcast is gonna last forever. So I'm gonna be like, wait, let me go back and tell y'all when I said that he was gonna end up with a Katie. End up with a Katie. I'm crying. <laughs> there are actual, there are tears in my eyes because I think I'm also heartbroken with the fact that you said that. <laughs> I'm like, dang, he ain't gonna wipe me up. Fuck. No, he, <laughs> he ain't gonna wipe you. He'll date you though. <laughs> <laughs> so I had this this TikTok on uh, saved on my phone about Jack Harlow ending up with a person of color. And yeah, I was like, Tina, why don't you just post it? Like, post it today. And I kept going and going and waiting. So I was like, I don't even care for this video anymore. I posted it. And then yep. I just stopped where I was like, if I would have just posted this video when I filmed it, put it out there, I would already have so many more ideas. But because I was saving it for the yes. quote unquote right time, I mm-hmm. wasn't letting my mind have any more cre- creativity because I was like, oh, I've got that video already saved in my pocket, ready to go out. So I don't you know what that's a it. that's a good point. That is true. Like you kind of backed your creativity up because you know you stopped it up with this one video. That's actually really good. That just taught me something. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad my video about you know Jack Harlow and <laughs> our romantic future <laughs> helping you out. <laughs> with some of your videos on TikTok, you've got a lot of. We're not even on TikTok, but you've got a lot of different series. You've got. Being black at work, you've got the high school bully. I was watching mm-hmm. Karen's behavioral <laughs> therapy before this uh, recording, which, by yeah. the way, I love, guys. So, tell us a little bit about. Let's start off with Karen's behavioral therapy. What made you yeah. want to start this series? It's just because okay, so one thing people who really like follow me, they know I'm always talking about therapy, how much we need it, how much everybody needs it. You know, I'm like, you need to go to therapy, honey. I, I even call myself Doctor Jazz on my YouTube. I'm like, that's this is a Doctor Jazz moment because I'll be trying to, you know, I, I'm a, I think I'm a therapist. I'm not, but I think I am in my head, right? Um, I'm in therapy too, so I'm not like I'm better than anybody. I don't know. It's just the like Karens need therapy, you know. <laughs> They do. And it's not like in a Karen, I'm so annoyed recently when people are like, oh, my God, stop being a Karen. A Karen is not somebody who complains. That's just a normal white woman. That's just a white woman. (laughs) A Karen is a white supremacist. She's a privileged woman who feels like she has supremacy over someone, a person of color, typically. And she has authority over them. You know what I mean? So like somebody complaining about their salad is normal and they're just annoying, right? It's just like a normal thing. If you go to a restaurant, you might have an annoying picky lady who complains about her salad who happens to be white. But a white supremacist is like, believes that you should lose your job over their salad because that's what that's like a slave mentality type thing. Like, oh, get her out of here. Hang her because my salad is wrong. Don't you see mm. how she's made this mistake sort of, you know? 
So um, that person needs psychological help. So I was like, what would happen if I were to put different characters through this therapy? Like, how would they act? What would what would my therapy be? Like, I on one episode, one of my favorite ones is I had her read Malcolm X as homework. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, what would the therapy be for somebody like this to get them to, you know, have some sort of rude awakening? And I've had people in my therapy, you know, I, I had character, different characters like Rebecca and Stuff like that. Like some people make it through and they get better and some people just don't because they're not going to change. So I thought, I think it's really fun. I need to do more of those because people really love them. But just thinking about the the way the character is going to go, it's actually difficult to continue to make it funny and have the storyline. It's not easy. (laughs) Also, as you're saying this, you're talking about the characters. You're talking about what are they doing? You're giving them assignments and it's all you. You're directing, you're editing, you're producing all of these TikTok, all these videos and you're yeah. creating a storyline where people are going to come back because I had watched the Rebecca one and I mm-hmm. was screaming <laughs> or I'm maybe it was I think yeah I'm pretty sure this was the Rebecca one where she was like I'm looking for Dr. Jasmine and she go, you go I'm right here I'm here and she goes no like you changed your hair yeah look at my face not the hairstyle (laughs) like look at me as a person that one hit close to home because I was getting flashbacks from high school where I'd come in with sewing one day and then braids the next day and they'd go wow your hair got so long or if I decided to wear my hair natural your hair got so short babes babes right we are in modern society I do not need you making these comments Girl, oh my gosh. I had this one joke I wrote. I said, Black people have been around for a really long time and you guys are still acting like you can't figure this out. <laughs> I'm like, there's a light, there's a white lady I used to work with. She used to say stuff. I'm like, bitch, you went to MIT. You went to Stanford and you can't figure this out. <laughs> like, you sound stupid. You know what I mean? It's just the willfulness or like the whatever you say, the willfulness to be ignorant is just ridiculous to me. It's like, if you came in with a wig on on Tuesday, I would know, oh, she has a wig on today. Okay. Like, it, it's just common sense. I don't understand it. That's it. <laughs> it's the conversation about hair, black hair in general, is so, it's still such a touchy subject for me. Not as much as it was, I'd say, like, five mm. years ago, because I was still trying to fit this yeah. mold from when I grew up, where it's like, okay, I don't want people to see my real hair, so I'm going to do these extensions, and I'm gonna. it's always going to be straight, and it's going to be black, and that's it. This past year, I personally have had this what's it called like epiphany with my relationship with Mm -hmm. hair where it's like I don't care I Mm -hmm. went blonde I did braids where I hadn't worn braids in years like I saw myself for the first time and was like whoa I love how I look in braids right now my hair is half black half red I have such a I don't give a fuck attitude whereas compared to a few years ago you wouldn't know college Tina with Red in her hair? No. No, because I wouldn't want my peers to look at me a different kind of way. Right now, I just don't give a fuck. No, I absolutely went through that. The same thing, Tina. And you know what? The During, like, the Panasonic, it actually, that was the first time that I had had any color in my braids. I did pink braids. I did purple braids. And I want to go back to, to do them. It's just, like, other things keeping me from doing doing the colorful braids right now. But I was, like... I have been set free 
And like Mm -hmm. the fact that I've gone my whole life and not had red braids, I only wore black. I hadn't had red braids or pink braids or purple braids or blonde braids. And all of these colors have always been available. But I was like, how are people going to think about me? Is there, are they going to think I'm like hood? Are they going to think I'm like, what, what will people think? And I girl, I went right into corporate, the corporate world too, with pink braids one time. And everybody was like, oh my God, because white women can come in there with pink hair. You know, it started because the SVP of our human resources department, we got a new woman and she was a white woman. She was blonde, you know, and she had half her head was shaved and she had pink hair. And once I saw her, I'm like, she's everybody's boss, honey. I'm wearing pink braids. And that was the first time, like right before the pandemic, right before I quit, that I had color in my braids. And it was just such a freeing experience (laughs) to be able to wear your hair however you wanted. It is the oh, it's like the shackles are taken off. Yeah, it is. That's the only way to describe it because you just feel like, wow, I can be myself and I can express myself with my hair, just like how people express themselves with clothes or their music taste. It's like, this is a part of me, and now people can see this side. Going back to your SVP and even that lady that you worked with that went to MIT, Mm -hmm. as you're building out these characters and these videos, are you? taking away are you bringing your personal experiences into these characters and these roles oh girl 100 percent a hundred percent 100 percent and you know what a lot of people are like you like how many experiences have you had how many bad I'm like honey do you know how many I've seen I've worked in HR too do you know how many I've seen like it's like endless and it's like oh when you're married to a black person who is also working in a corporate environment and your parents also worked in a, like a, you know, blue collar environment. The opportunities are endless, honey. I'll have to, if I need an idea, I'll have to do is call my brother. Like he works in a corporate, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, it's very easy. And then, you know, I've had one video and it was about my personal experience, but I had an old boss DM me and apologize for, you know, how she handled a situation because you know, but the the thing, the gag is, honey, like I told you what it was. I was at the position where I felt like I could have told, I, I told her that I felt like I was being, I had a complaint about me as an HRBP and I was so good at my job. And I was like, I wouldn't have gotten this comment if I wasn't a black woman. You know, she said, I remember this, this SVP of marketing or yeah, sales or something like that. She was like marketing or sales. You know, she wears her Gucci shoes to work. Her hair is like blown out. Like she, she had a dry, she has a driver take her to work. That's how this woman was. Right. And I had worked with her for a really long time and I had moved up in the role. And so now I was her HRBP. And so I told her it was a, a, a risk for the business to do something that she wanted to do. And she called my boss and told my boss that I was talking down to her basically by telling her, you know what? I don't think we should do it, but let me escalate this to the head of my department to, to see if I can get approval. And it wasn't even like I told her, no, I told her the risks, mm-hmm. you know, and I told her that I couldn't, it's not something that I could prove because of the risks. Right. And it was something very trivial, trivial and stupid anyway. And she called my boss and told my boss, I was talking down to her and my boss called me and said, Oh, you know, gave me a talking to about how I talked to leaders and then they escalated it. And, acted like I was going to lose my job, baby, you ain't about to fire me over that. Because I'll tell you right now, I said, if I was not a black woman, she would not have said that about me. 
And that situation, my boss acted like she didn't understand. But then when I made a video about it, she went and came and DM'd me, slid in my DMs talking about how she is, she was apologetic and she didn't see it at that moment. You saw it at the moment, ho, because I told you at the moment. (laughs) I told you what it was, you know? And she didn't see it until she saw me get 10,000 likes on the shit. And then she read all the comments from black women talking about, yeah, this is what happened to me. This is what happened to me. And then she felt stupid, you know, and she felt like, oh, wow, it could have been a racial thing. And it was. So, um, yeah, all my stuff is personal. I got a little heated. Oh, no, <laughs> we will bring bring the heat. We love the heat, girl. Got a little heated. It's re- oh, it's grinding my gears. The funniest part out of all this, even though it's not a funny situation, but the funniest part yeah. is that she slid into the DMs because she knew that you were talking about her. She knew it. Yeah, she knew she, I was talking she about her. Knew it wholeheartedly, but yet at the time she didn't want to say anything. She didn't think anything was wrong with the situation Mm-mm. until other people were like, "No, this is wrong," and that's the thing. I've got oh, ooh, I, don't, <laughs> I haven't had as many work experiences like that. Yeah, but even sometimes in friendships where I've got friends from, I'd say my friend group is very diverse. Yeah. But sometimes people, some someone will say something and I'll kind of give a look. Yeah. And then I'll go back, talk to my one friend about it, say, <laughs> hey, did, did that raise a flag to you? Yep. She goes, no, not at all. And I have to explain it to them saying, yeah. no, this was wrong of them to say. Yeah. Why are they saying, oh, yeah, you've got, I'll never forget this. Someone had said about a guy that she was seeing that she was not black i'll say that mm-hmm. she was not black but he was black mm-hmm. and it was the summertime and he was getting a little darker and she goes oh you've got your daddy and you because he's mixed i and his dad was black mm-hmm. i heard that statement mm-hmm. and i was i was looking around the room <laughs> trying to figure out if anyone else was understanding why that was not a good thing to say and then when i went back to my other friend i go why did that not raise a flag she says, no, is that bad? I was like, what? You've got your daddy in you because he got a little darker in the summer? This bitch tans. She gets dark in the summer too. What? I was so baffled by that sentence. And it's still, I still think about it probably once a month. Because <laughs> I, it just pains me so much to hear people. It's also the topic of colorism yeah. in general. But I'm like, why? Should that even come out of your mouth? Why should that be a thing? But it's those little microaggressions that people don't even realize. And so that's one of the examples that you're, that's a microaggression at work. It is. But someone isn't going to. No. Would you say that you lean onto these microaggressions when you're creating comedy, like as a way for like therapeutic relief? Could that be? Yeah, I feel, yeah, it's definitely like therapy for me. And then also. I don't know. I always say I create content for black women. Like anybody can enjoy it. I love it when everybody enjoys it. But I, as a black woman, this is my point of view through the world. And I absolutely, there's nothing, no, no more joy that I get than when black women say, yes, me too. Or yes, this was hilarious. Or yes, girl, I relate. Or like this happened to me. You know what I mean? And that that's the reason that I do it so that I can I can kind of make fun of the things that aren't funny to us at the time. You know what I mean? It's definitely mm-hmm. therapy for me, you know, but your friend also 
here's the thing about people that I've learned. When you use other examples, it's hard for people to deny the fact that what they just said was wrong. You know what I mean? Like, imagine if his dad was Native American and Mm -hmm. she's like, oh, you have some Native American in you. Look at you getting dark in the summer. It's like that don't that also that sounds stupid. Like, that sounds ridiculous. So stupid. Like, what if his dad was gay and he was like, oh, that guy over there is nice looking. Oh, you got a little dad. You got a little your daddy in you. What? You sound dumb. Like any other example sounds stupid. But when it's black people, they don't get it. You know what I mean? So you have to use other examples. And so they can be like, oh, well, yeah, it's, it's not the same. But I see what you're saying. No, you see what I'm saying? Because all of it is stupid. You know what I mean? Like, like, it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like, girl, but when you use up an, when you bring up another example on them, there's no denying that what they said was wrong, but it's sad that you have to do that because our experiences are invalidated so much that people just brush it off. You know, they brush it off, make you seem like you're crazy for thinking that it's supposed to be offensive or any, I grew up all the time when the lights would like someone would turn off the lights and they go, where's Tina girl. What? Ooh, I know I'm getting heated. (laughs) okay i'm like tina tina's over here uh talking to her ancestors about how we actually fought fought illnesses and how we didn't burn in the sun honey (laughs) (laughs) tina's over here getting a good night's sleep uh not sunburned after being in the at the pool all day is what tina the hell is tina doing (laughs) shoot tina's over here being uh talking to her ancestors about how she uh, how we all gave birth to everybody but you know that's what tina over here the hell tina doing (laughs) shit But anyway, <laughs> I'm crying. That was so funny. I, it's like we're saying it's it's funny now to laugh at, but you you really don't even mm-hmm. get these until you experience them firsthand, and you go in your head and you think to yourself, "Is there something wrong with me? Why am I the butt of the joke? Black people are always the butt of the joke." Yeah, and we're sick and retired of it. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not fun, people. Please get over it. Make a joke about yourself. Laugh at <laughs> yourself. It's, I promise you, people will actually maybe find that a little funny, which is why, Jasmine, even I see you as being just such an icon because you are so relatable. And TikTok is a platform for people of all ages. So I wish that I had you when I was younger to be like, oh, it's not just me. And oh, okay, I can understand how this, even though I didn't think of it at the time, was a microaggression, but it is a microaggression. This does yeah. sound ridiculous. Yeah. Why am I letting these people walk over me and say this shit to me mm-hmm. when I should have called them out right from the jump? Now I'm starting, I'm in my phase now where I'm learning yeah. to call people out. Yeah. Because even that girl who made that comment about her, the guy that she was seeing, I kept my mouth shut. I talked to my friends, but I didn't directly speak to her. Yeah. Now I'm getting to that point where it's like, if I... If something happens to me or if I see it happening to someone else, stay safe out there, y'all, because I ain't holding back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of, you know, tact and self-esteem to do that. Like, I didn't I wasn't always like that. People were like, how did you get so confident? It's like it wasn't always this way. Like I did the same thing when I was younger. I saw things happening and I didn't say anything. I was that girl who was just sitting back and, you know, trying to be quiet or trying to be friends, you know, but the older I got, the um, less tolerant I became to that kind of stuff. And, you know, the more I just learned or stepped into my own, stepped into who I was a bit more and it'll come, you know, 
So don't beat yourself up about times where you let things slide. It just gives you more context about how to handle things in the future because we all did. We all let things slide, you know? So that's a really good lesson in in your 20s too. It's like you let a lot of shit slide in your 20s that hopefully you don't let slide later in life because you learn. You learn, you realize when it's fucked up and you're like, I ain't letting that shit happen again. I'm like, not me. Right. As soon as I said, I ain't ever... I immediately thought of that TikTok trend. You know the song? I never been with a baddie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. But I thought of it. It was like, I got to say this on the pod. I don't know why. Um, I also do want to talk about, so now that, you know, we're live shows are back. So you're doing stand up mm-hmm. again. And I saw that you were on maybe um, a lit as fuck tour with uh mr oh yeah martin lawrence how did that come about girl you know what okay so i was actually i got connected with martin's team before the pandemic because the lit af tour it was supposed to happen beforehand it got and all the shows got canceled because of covid basically like somebody i got connected with somebody from martin's team and they're so nice and they were like oh well we want to see your stand up first and I'd been sending them stuff and, you know, you have to send them a lot of material. But um, and they were like, oh, yeah, maybe you can do like one show or something like that. You know, they were open to doing it because, you know, they saw I was a young black female comedian and they were just open to, you know, having me be a part of one show or whatever. And so I was like, okay, cool. But, you know, over the Panasonic, honey, when you when you get a little blue check and stuff, people like, oh, yeah. So they were like, oh, Jasmine, you know, they were working with me and which shows I could do. And so I was only supposed to do one show and that was in Dallas because I'm from Dallas and it was around Thanksgiving. So I was already going to be in town. So I did the Dallas show. And after the Dallas show, they were like, you want to come do Vegas? You did so well. And I was like, and so I did Vegas and it was just awesome. Like everybody who was on the lineup on the shows I did came up and introduced themselves to me and was so kind, you know, from Ricky Smiley to Donnell Rawlings and just everybody on the show. I already know D. Ray Davis. He's really nice. He's dope. Martin Lawrence. I didn't get to meet him in the Dallas show. And on the Vegas show, he had his security because Martin got hella security, girl. You know, (laughs) Martin, you can't get close to Martin, child. Don't think you're going to come up to Martin and shake hands. You're not. But Martin came and or he got his security to come pull me aside to come meet him. He's like, I'm so sorry I didn't get to meet you in Dallas. It was busy, but I'm glad we had you back and met me personally. And it was just an amazing way to end the year. And it was it was a huge milestone for me in my career. It really was. It was like one of the I just can't believe it. It was just like one of the greatest things I think I'll ever do because Martin has influenced me more than any other comedian, to be honest, like. A lot of the things that are reflected in my comedy are an influence from Martin Lawrence, whether you see it, where like the direct look into the camera. That's something that Martin did on his show all the time that I, it's like a 90s show thing that I love. It just, it recognizes your audience a little bit. Or like the fact that Martin used to wear HBCU sweaters and I hold black authors. Uh, when I do things that white women say, all of the books that I hold are by black authors and black authors only, you know, and people don't realize that, you know. And just stuff like that, you know, like how can I keep my authenticity while still being um, funny and People doing character say a lot, work and stuff? So don't meet your idols because you might be disappointed, but it doesn't sound like you're disappointed at all. Yeah. No, I wasn't disappointed at all. Martin, he was so nice, you know, and it's just and I ate with him and his his crew afterwards. You know, it was just nice to meet somebody who was just like chill. He's just like a he. I mean, Martin, he fifty, so he was like chilling. He's like, oh, nice to meet you. You want to take a picture? You know. 
And I told him what I had to say. He was like, oh, man, keep going. You're so good. And I ate with him and his family. He was chilling. And, you know, I'm not crazy as hell or nothing. So I was just sitting there eating my crab legs, girl. And (laughs) minding my business, hell, you know. And that's it. You know, it was just a really good experience. What would you say has been your biggest takeaway from the past year, whether it's that experience or just in general? This year, I think one of my main goals is to hype myself up, you know, and I think my main takeaway from last year is you can really do this. Like, it's so nice, Tina, when you say, oh, Jasmine, I really think you like you could you're an icon. It's like, first of all, I don't think I'm an icon, but I want to think I'm an icon. <laughs> so, you know, you, you are an icon. Girl, I would like to think that. But, you know, you, you accomplish so much and it'd be like, man, this is just the first year. So just remembering that that was just the first year. This year is going to be like double that, you know, and next year is going to be triple that. So just trying to keep myself feeling good about, you know, what I'm doing right now and making and reassuring myself that I'm on the right track and that I can do it. You know, I think it's just people think that, I don't know, people look at me and think I'm like extremely confident and I am pretty confident compared to what I used to be. But I do have to remind myself, like, you, you can do this. Look at, look at what you're doing. You can do it. Just keep going. So that was the biggest takeaway for me. It's like, you can do it. You're doing it. And this, that's just year one. What's, what's next? I'm expecting mm-hmm. bigger and better things. So what's next? You know, just trying to be positive in that way. You got to be your biggest hype man. You can have the best support system in the world. But if you don't believe in yourself and you don't think you can do it, you're not going to do it because it's you. It's Facts. me, myself, and I, babes. So you got to make sure you're hyping yourself up. It's true. Yeah. Jasmine, as we wrap up today's conversation, is there anything that we didn't get to that you'd love to tell the In Your 20s community? No, nah, y'all just better have some confidence. Believe in yourself, child, because RuPaul said, if you don't believe, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. What did RuPaul say? <laughs> oh, RuPaul said, if you don't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? And just like you said just now, it's the same thing with believing in yourself. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. So I guess the only thing, other thing I'll say is I have a podcast coming out March 3rd. It's a, if, if you like my sketch comedy stuff, it's not going to be like an informational um, feel good podcast like Tina's podcast. It will be something you can <laughs> laugh at. Um, and it's going to be, you know, short. So, you know, check it out. It'll, it's called Jasmine Gives Bad Advice. And it comes out on March 3rd. <laughs> I love that title. <laughs> so do I. I. Make sure y'all are tuned in. And Jasmine, where can people find you across socials? Oh, yeah. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at J-A-Z-M-Y-N-J-W. And I also have a YouTube channel if you like to. I'll be putting out more content on there this year about different things. But If you watch Married at First Sight or Ready to Love, I do reaction videos on there on YouTube. There are people who don't even watch the show. They watch my reviews because they just think that they're funny. So (laughs) check it out. It's Comedian Jasmine W on YouTube. Awesome, guys. I'm going to have all of Jasmine's links in the show notes. So be sure to check her out. Jasmine, thank you again for coming on. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of In Your 20s. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it with a friend. Leave a review on Apple or Spotify. Rate the podcast too while you're at it because I promise you it takes five, not ooh, five seconds, not five minutes. Trust me on that one. My name's Tina with an H and I'll catch you next Wednesday.